imposing grandeur, the quality or state of being impressive or awesome. The purpose of studying theology and reading books, it's it's not to gain our own intellect, but rather it is to bring us to Him. Because when you see how glorious and how holy and how majestic our Creator is, the more you worship Him. He is our imposing grandeur. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Imposing Grandeur's second podcast episode. My name's Alexa, and I'm joined here again today with Annie and Avery. Ladies, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Me and my husband just bought a boxer puppy named Eugene, and it is exhausting, and he is (laughs) insane, but very adorable. (laughs) Annie, I got to ask, who came up with the name Eugene? That's just such a cute name. You know, I think Alexa would like to take credit for it, but I did have the idea the night before she suggested it. I would like to publicly beg to differ on that. (laughs) Annie Annie made uh, made us known today that she has some significant significant bags under her eyes today. Yes, let that be noted to the audio (laughs) listeners. Good thing you can't see her. (laughs) Yeah, it's so bad. Good thing you can't see it. (laughs) But if you could see it, you'd know that she has bags under her eyes right now because of Eugene. (laughs) Anyway. For those of you who might have grown up in a homeschool family, um, that name may sound familiar. It is one of the characters off of the renowned Focus on the Family's Adventures in Odyssey, which Annie is probably the biggest fan I know of. Yeah, that is that true. Is true. Tell them possible. why, Annie. Why are you the biggest fan? Uh, Prove yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I own all of the episodes on CD. I work on their fan club team, I guess you could call it. You still um, do that? I do I still do that. you still did that. <laughs> Arguably, though, I am the worst member because I never go to the meetings and don't do anything for the group. So, good thing that's not on record right now. <laughs> no, no one's listening. That's on my team. How do you know? <laughs> anyway, uh, but anyway, also she also has a Mr. Whitaker tattooed on her neck. That is it. true. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> Oh, but um, that's that's great. I'm glad that Eugene is loving living with you and Patrick and is living the military life. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And Avery also has a dog, but she's had her dog for a while. Avery, how long have you had Claire? Um, Claire's a year now, so a year and a half. I am. I have yet to be in this puppy club that you guys are in. Well, you have a dog. I do have a dog, but it's not my dog. I provide all the loving, and then my parents provide all the food and shelter. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's like, yeah, I do love my dog, Bear. His name is Bear. He's the cutest dog ever lived. Yeah. He's very fluffy. He is very fluffy and wonderful and just the perfect dog. So anyway, just kidding. He's not perfect. And you know who also isn't perfect? We are not perfect, which segues <laughs> to our topic today. Uh, so if you guys uh, are following Imposing Grandeur, we love focusing on the attributes of God. And 
the more we study about him, the more we're able to worship him efficiently and effectively. And so we just thought it would be most fitting if the podcast that we are starting and beginning with focuses on the attributes of God. So we learn together these different characteristics that he has and that makes him him. Um, And so today we're going to be talking about God's grace. So what does it mean to say that God is gracious and what does grace look like in our own lives? And so segueing from imperfect people to, (laughs) or a perfect dog to imperfect people to God's perfection. (laughs) My dog is not perfect. We're all totally depraved. But anyway, um, so I guess starting up the conversation, what is grace? Like, how do we define grace in our Mm -hmm. life today? Hmm. Well, I think it's important to distinguish between what grace looks like in the world versus what God's grace as a characteristic is because worldly grace is going to be selfishly motivated because you're not in Christ. You have no reason to honor God. Right. Yeah. So free and unmerited favor um, would be godly grace. And I mean, we experience, I think, even if you're not a believer, we can experience grace from friendships, um, experience grace, like daily graces and job situations, parents, you know, spouses, but we truly aren't understanding godly grace without the example of Christ. Mm. Right. And I think it's interesting because I feel like grace, that word tends to get mixed up with mercy. And when people think of grace, they might think of mercy or vice versa. And so people just get confused because they're like, isn't it kind of the same thing? Or isn't it like, like, is there anything that differentiates it? And I know that we grow up in church, maybe hearing mercy is not getting what you do deserve versus grace saying grace is getting what you don't deserve. And so this is kind of seen in, for example, mercy would be knowing that there was nothing we could do to earn our way into God's presence because he requires perfection. And yet he made a way through the crucifixion of Christ, defeating death, creating a way for sal- of salvation for us through sacrifice. And so we as sinners in this example, we deserve hell and judgment. But instead, Jesus provided a way of salvation that if we repent, we may have a personal relationship with God. And so that's mercy. We are not getting what we do deserve, which is eternal hell and punishment. Whereas grace is that salvation, is that saving grace that we see mm-hmm. in scripture. So it's not like we're just avoiding hell but we're getting something that we don't deserve, which is salvation. And so as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Psalm 103. And in Psalm 103, you really get a really beautiful picture of grace versus mercy. And so it talks about, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And so in verse four, we see who redeems your life from the pit. So that is mercy. He, re- he didn't give us what we do deserve. He didn't give us death. But then in 4b, it says who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. So that is grace. So God saves us exceedingly. So it's not mm-hmm. just like he says, okay, you're not going to hell. But rather, he says, not only are you not going to hell, but I'm going to crown you with steadfast love. I'm going to give a personal relationship with you. I'm going to provide you with my Holy Spirit and be sanctifying you in your walk so that I'm going to be with you. And then all of his promises in scripture apply to us. And so it's more than just, oh, 
if you follow Christ, you're, you're just not going to go to hell, but mm-hmm. rather it's, if you follow Christ, you're not only not going to hell, but you have now been made available to all of this other stuff, which is grace on the, on God's part. And so grace and mercy do go hand in hand, but there is a different differentiation. Yeah. And I was just reading in Romans about justification in chapter four and how justification isn't simply the, um, Christ propitiation for our sins, like Christ taking our place, but it's God bestowing upon us, uh, his blessings and which is salvation. And then alongside that come things like peace. And that is a grace from the Lord to have peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's Mm -hmm. interesting to see this theme interwoven throughout scripture. I also been, my church is going through Daniel and seeing Nebuchadnezzar and how he is sinning against the Lord and he does not acknowledge God is the one true God. And God punishes him by turning him into a wild animal or donkey. But then the grace that Nebuchadnezzar receives by being restored and repentance and how repentance is a grace that he's given. And it's just, um, it's pretty wonderful because without grace, our lives would look pretty sad, honestly. And also I was looking in Romans as well, and it reminded me of um, Romans eleven six, which is talking about how our salvation is no longer on the basis of works when God's grace is mm-hmm. present. Because in eleven six it says, but it is by grace. It is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. And um, that was like earth shattering for me this week, just reading that being like, that's so true that it would no longer be grace if mm-hmm. it was all about what we do, because nothing we do could ever be sufficient. Right. I think it's important that we do return often to that definition of unmerited favor or undeserved favor because we see in Romans 3:24 we are justified by his grace as a gift and then Romans 5:15 mm-hmm. it says grace of god and the free gift by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded for many and so we see that grace is a gift and then again in Romans 11:5 through 6 says that at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be called grace. Like you were saying, Avery. So you can't earn grace. It's free. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. So why is it important that we talk about this? I think it's important that we talk about this because there are believers living as if grace doesn't exist. How they live their lives, they're living in the mentality of do, 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 when Jesus, who died for our sins, said, done. Grace Mm -hmm. is unmerited favor. It's not conditional. And God's grace is immeasurable. Like we see in Ephesians 2, it says, and raises us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And so we are living as if God's grace is something that is sparingly given when we Mm -hmm. see in scripture that it is immeasurable. And so something that I thought about while studying this is that we as humans tend to think of God in like human terms when in reality, he isn't like us at all. And so when we hear immeasurable grace, we automatically think that, oh, well, that can't be true because I don't have the capacity to do that. Or I know people who are so far away from God that 
they could never they could never be access to grace or God could never save them or some sins are just too bad. Like if a Christian is living like, oh, the sin is just too bad. The whole beauty of the gospel is that God saved you so that you would not have to live with that guilt. And so if we live in that mentality, we have no foggy clue who God is because in Isaiah 59 it says, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, right? It is undeserved favor. He is giving, he's lavishing upon this, this grace as a gift. And so to live as if this doesn't exist is to deny his power in being the God of grace and being the God who does do this as we see so clearly in scripture. It's so true. And it also is such a reminder that um, along with just how this should bring us to worship of who God is, because he is so different than us, that it isn't about us. We can't even boast in his grace because we have nothing to do with it. And in Ephesians 2, it talks about an eight through nine for by grace, you have been saved through faith, like we were talking about. And also that this is not your own doing. It's a gift from God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Like we literally are all, no matter the the sins we have committed or not committed, we're all, all of us as humans are in the same place. We can no longer boast of ourselves because there's nothing that we have done to merit this favor. And um, that should just bring us to our knees in complete humility to realize that it truly is nothing we have done. We have we have done nothing to be chosen for this. We've done nothing to to deserve any of it. And so it truly is such a gift that we can never return. Yeah, right. I definitely agree, Avery. And I think too, it's important to recognize grace. God is so good and so gracious that it's not even just towards the believer. There are so right. many graces that he gives to the non-believer the getting to wake up breathing every morning, getting to enjoy a sunset, getting to experience loving relationships. All of these things are graces that are unmerited and it's for believer and non-believer alike. Obviously being a Christian, you receive different graces like salvation and the common grace that an unbeliever would receive is only reaches so far, but it's, um, It's pretty cool because that's like, to your point, Alexa, God isn't like us. And I can't imagine having so much grace towards people that actively live in rebellion. Right. Right. Yeah. I think going off of what both of you guys are saying, like, I think in order to properly understand grace and mercy, but more so because the topic today is grace, to understand grace, we need to first acknowledge and understand the fact that we deserve nothing. The only thing that we, nothing good, at least, the only thing we deserve is death. Um, And Romans 6.23 says that perfectly clear, for the wages of sin is death, and we are all sinners. So the wages of sin. So what do we earn because of that? We earn death. But the free gift, so going back to grace, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So in order to understand the good news, right, of grace and salvation and knowing that God gives us that saving grace. We need to understand that we do not deserve that. And that's why it is grace because it is unmerited favor. It is giving something to us that we don't deserve. And that is what's so beautiful of the gospel because I hear people like sometimes I'd be witnessing to somebody and they'd be like, oh, that's just, I don't know, like that might be good for you, but that's too, like, that's not something that I can have. I'm just too far gone or I am just 
not good enough or whatever. It doesn't say for the wages of Hitler, sin is death. It says the wages of sin is death, any sin, because God's standard is perfection. So this grace is offered to everybody, no matter what sin you've done, you need to be repentive of your sin in order to access this grace. Yeah, and I just wanted to echo that because I've had countless conversations with unbelievers who struggle to understand grace in a different con, like not a self-deprecating way, like God's grace is not good enough for me, but in a sense that I don't need God's grace. Like they're, what about the person on the island who never gets to hear the gospel? Like that's so cruel of God to pour his wrath out upon that person. And it's when you understand your unrighteousness and your unholiness and your sinfulness and your uh, how you're deserving of wrath, grace becomes so much more beautiful and powerful when you understand just how unmerited it actually is. Yeah, I was listening to a sermon actually by David Platt, and he addressed that scenario, Annie, that you were mentioning, because I feel like that's something a lot of people think about. Like, what about that person in the middle of the ocean who has never had access, like that good person who's never had access to any of society, but has never done anything wrong and they're just in the middle of the sea and they're just living life or whatever. And, and pastor Platt was like, yeah, I would say that he gets salvation. The only thing is that that person never existed. Like nobody is born regardless of where he is. Nobody is born quote, a good guy who's done nothing wrong. We are all born into sin. So even if that person was on an Island for their whole life, God has the means of getting the gospel to him. But That does not mean that that person, if he died, he would be saved because he's never done anything wrong. Because that's never, that never existed. You know, like there's, we are all born into sin. We all have sin and sin equals death. So like you were saying, Annie, like there's not one person who can say and be correct that they are not in need of God's grace. Because to say that they would have to equate themselves with perfection and to equate themselves with perfection, they would be wrong because that's not true. And to your point, also, like, just remembering, adding on to what both of y'all have said is like, without Christ, we find ourselves in such a hopeless state, like the grace is not just a a safety boat that's thrown to us as we're doggy paddling in the ocean trying to survive, like we are literally on the bottom of the ocean, we're not able to swim to the top on our own, there's nothing that we can do to ever find ourselves before God in any state where we could be holy without him. And so grace is everything. And without grace, we are nothing. And so Mm -hmm. it should be a word that changes and transforms our entire life because without it, I mean, we wouldn't be sitting here with hope. This life would not make any sense without the freedom found in Christ. And, and that's such a gift. Like that is the most incredible thing we will ever ponder here. Right. Yeah. And I was going to add on to that and say, also, when you understand God's character of grace and how gracious he is, Paul talks about how this is not an excuse to live however you want. We do not take advantage. Our aim is not to take advantage of God's grace. Right. Just how if a friend or your parents, you did something wrong to them and then giving them, giving you mercy, but then also bestowing upon you something you don't deserve, you would not turn around and do the same thing again to them. 
when they just were gracious to you. And it's important as Christians that we understand that and we're not consciously or subconsciously taking advantage of God's graciousness. Right. Yeah. I think about how God's grace is not only his inclination of his heart to treat us better than we deserve, but it's also an extension of that in practical everyday help. And specifically, I think of 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and it says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So it's it's not so much only saving grace, although that is an amazing truth that we rejoice in knowing that we are saved by grace alone, um, through faith alone, but it is also used as a power or an influence for obedience because we as fallen creatures would never, ever, ever want to obey God. And so by Mm -hmm. using that saving grace in our life, he's also using that as a motivation for us to be obedient, just like he says in 2nd, Second Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So his grace is an evidence of our life. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, um, Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder. And that was an effect of grace than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Mm. Isn't that cool? Like, that's something that I feel like all of us like we can, we can rejoice in. And so if you're listening right now, because I have talked to people, this is so sad to me. And honestly, there's a period in my time where I felt like this. It's like, you're observing people and you're like, yeah, God totally is just covering them in his grace. But I just feel like that's not applied to me or that promise is not for me because I just feel so guilty about this one sin in my life. Or I just feel like, I fail him every single day. I haven't had my quiet time in a month. You know, like there's so many things that the enemy can use us to try to convince us that we are so far from his hands of reaching. But if there's one thing that I can leave you guys off with today is knowing that grace is not about you. Grace is not contingent on what you, what you perform like or how you, what you bring to the table. It is our motivator for obedience. It is the fuel for our obedience. And it is God's divine inclination to give to us. It is all about him. It is not about you. Um, and so if you think that you are too far from his grace, be careful in saying that because it's not so much a, oh, pity me, like I am far from God's grace, even though you might not mean it to be like that. But that's also, that could be blaspheme against God. Because you're saying that he is sufficient to provide that for every, everybody else except me. And then you're saying that God's power is limiting, thus going against what we just saw in Isaiah, saying that his hands are not too far to save. But you're saying, no, his hands are too short to save. So, yep. so if you are struggling with that today, rejoice in the truth that it is not about you, that you do not get any glory for any work that you do. And if you do work, you are doing that work because God is working through you in his grace. Yeah. And I just want to follow up that point um, to say, like, I've seen that in my own life. There's right. times where I felt like, oh, I screwed up that. I screwed up that person from ever believing in the gospel. Like it's over and realizing uh, that God's grace is sufficient for my weaknesses. And even if that means I did a terrible job presenting to the gospel to somebody, God is greater than that. And also realizing it, realizing that 
again, God's grace in my life, but asking for humility and praying for humility if that's how you feel. Because the Lord is gracious, like we just talked about, and he will give that to you so that you can feel his graciousness and um, enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, obviously, this is a topic that I feel like we could go in so in depth, you know, like this is something that even studying for it, there are different categories of saving grace. And like you mentioned earlier, Annie, common grace, like God's grace is still bestowed on people who are not repentive, people who wake up every day and say, no, I don't need God's grace. It says in the Bible that the Lord still has the rain fall on their field and produce crops for them. That is common grace. He still does that for everybody. He gives everyone sunlight. Um, and that is just, that blows my mind. Yeah. And, um, I just think too how God is not like us when we are gracious, right? We are doing it possibly with the expectation of something in return. Like, oh, I'm going to treat this person graciously so that they recognize that I'm such a good person or I'm nice, whatever. Whereas God gives graciously with no need for us, no expectations of anything in return. And that to me is like, I just, I'm not capable of that. I am not capable of having completely wholesome uh, agendas behind my graciousness. Yeah, that's so true. Man, well, this was been this has been a really I love talking about this. I think the more you even talk yeah. about it, because while you're talking about it verbally, you're reminding yourself about it. And it's just making me like, man, we just need to go out and tell everybody about this. But because um, it, it is good news. I think the more you think about the gospel, it's like we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. And so by just mm. focusing on this right now, it's like, wow, this is good news. But unfortunately, we are out of time for this specific episode. However, we have come up with something to conclude this episode called the IG Hot Seat. Okay. (laughs) I'm just going to add some nice heavy metal music in there. I'm just kidding. So what the IG Hot Seat is, if you don't know, IG stands for Imposing Grandeur. We have that as our little logo on our Instagram. So if you're not following us on Instagram, follow us on Instagram. Got to slide that in every podcast. I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. But uh, so the IG hot seat. So every week when we do a podcast, we're going to have one question that one of us are going to think about. So this week is my week. And I thought about a question. They don't know about it. But it's funny because when I told them that I found that I figured out a question, they're like, please no theology questions. So (laughs) we're joking about like doing one about the hypostatic union of the Trinity. But (laughs) that's that's definitely that's for next week. Yeah, we're going to save that next week. But So this question, this IG hot seat question is, I want you guys to tell me what is an odd food combination that you like that many people don't. So I'm going to, I'm going to answer this too. And I guess I'll answer it right now while you guys are thinking about yours, but it's an, (laughs) Annie is giving me glaring eyes. It's funny, Annie, because I know your answer, but I did not think about this when I was writing the question. (laughs) Oh, yes. I know her answer too. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, But I'll go first. I'll go first. So Annie and Avery know this about me, but I am a total sriracha, like hot sauce kind of person. So I will put hot sauce. And I feel like this isn't as abnormal because I've met people that are more like me in that way. Um, And if you're like this, DM us on Instagram or comment and like, we'll totally interact and be like hot sauce, best buds or whatever. But I put sriracha on like everything like eggs, potatoes, more recently, I've been putting it on popcorn. That's like a really good wow. one. Like in college, I would just get like a bag of popcorn and like a little thing of hot sauce and just dip my popcorn in the hot sauce <laughs> and eat it. But I'll put that on everything, chicken, rice, whatever. But 
that's that's my answer i would have to say but i also like i don't know because other things that i like like i like animal crackers and peanut butter but that's not that abnormal like i've met more people that do that yeah i too i wouldn't yeah. say that's abnormal as much yeah like mine i i don't know i feel like i don't really have like a really good one but i do like my chick-fil-a fries and ranch i think that's really good i have heard of that yeah it, i feel like other people i mean there's ranch at all Chick-fil-A, so I feel like so many people have done it. But it is really good, like, for a different change of pace from, like, Chick-fil-A sauce, honey mustard, ketchup. Ranch is a good way to go. I'll have mm. to try that sometime. I actually saw somebody put on their Facebook. They were like, Chick-fil-A fries are better with ranch. Fight me. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, I went they're better. They're, like, <laughs> unique in each sauce. But, like, ranch is a pretty good choice. I, I agree. Amy's like the little hippie, like, <laughs> no, like, I wouldn't say it's better, but it's just different. It's like, if you think differently, then fight me. Or I'm like, dang, okay. But anyway. <laughs> hmm. Well, mine is I like ranch flavored water. I'm just no, kidding. Now that I've said something super disgusting, I'll tell you what I actually <laughs> like. Um, Annie, I thought you were serious, and I, for a split second, considered not being your best friend anymore. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just wanted to set the bar super low. Um, Yeah. No, I, I really like baked beans mixed with Kraft mac and cheese. It is so good. Way to make it sound so much more fancy. She's trying to make it sound gourmet. Okay. (laughs) Well, here's how this uh, combination came about. You know, you're at a barbecue. You got sides on your plate. My sides started touching. And so I was like, (laughs) let's just combine these things. And so I combined them. And it was a delicious meal that unfortunately led to like a 20 pound weight gain, but it was awesome. (laughs) And she also, last year at this time, we went to Kentucky to visit her new house and she forced us to eat it the whole weekend. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you that our stomachs were not... We're not settling well. I just remember Avery and I eating beans and mac and cheese. And then like the next day or like after eating it for a few meals, Avery found quinoa in Annie's fridge and freaked out because she was like, I need this. My body needs nutrients. And it was like old, but she was like, Annie, can I eat this? And Annie's like, yeah, sure. I guess while she's like reheating up some beans. I know. I was like, please. I was like, I need something else. <laughs> I've changed uh, people. I haven't had it in several months. It's not really that healthy. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of carbs, but okay. But I will say, Annie, I will say I did try it and it wasn't that bad because I did have very low thoughts of it but it was not as bad let's have this if you guys are listening to this try beans and mac and cheese and post about it in your story or i mean i don't think you'd want to make an official instagram post about it so you post about it in your story or just send us a dm and let us know your thoughts like this will be the age-old question is beans and mac and cheese good yes or no beans and craft mac and cheese don't go buying pinto beans and throwing it in your mac and cheese that will taste disgusting Ew, can you imagine like black beans with mac and cheese oh, you know somebody right now is listening to this that eats black beans and mac and cheese and they're probably <laughs> crying thinking that you're bashing their favorite meal <laughs> they're like it's actually so good That's you know well, if you, i believe you let us know Message yeah. us on Instagram and we will try all the weird combinations of food. 
<laughs> oh man, that would be fun. Yeah, if you have a weird combination, message us and we'll we'll see if, about trying it. But anyway, that is it for this episode of Imposing Grandeur. We really hope that you guys were encouraged and that you're strengthened and built up in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I know that we were all um, strengthened as we studied for this. I mean, it's just really, the gospel never gets old and I pray it never becomes a redundant story, but rather it, mm-hmm. it just continues to become refreshing to us each day that we recite it to ourselves and to each other. So join us next week as we continue in this series of the characteristics and attributes of God. And next week we'll be talking about how God is a just God and what does that mean as, for believers and what does that mean for him as a, a creator and sustainer of the universe. So join us next week and we will see you there. See you guys.